A lot of people don't know this, but many Haitians descend from the people of the Benin Kingdom, which was located in what is now southern Nigeria. My personal ancestry test came back 28% Nigerian, and I found out that the Benin bronzes, the precious artwork from this kingdom, would be on display at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. All right. way to see some Benin bronzes. The Kingdom of Benin existed from about 1100 AD to 1897 when it fell. Thank you, and your visit. What happened in 1897? Well, British forces invaded the kingdom. And during that raid, which killed thousands of people, the British stole thousands of these bronzes and never returned them. Here I am. My name is Baudelaire, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we are both in Boston, Massachusetts, and Benin City, Nigeria, to show how a few thousand sculptures can mean so much to a nation and its people. More after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. The objects in this gallery date from the 15th to the 19th century. Owned by a succession of kings, these work of art adorn sacred altars and awed visiting courtiers and diplomats. Many date to the 16th century when Benin was at its zenith. controlling a When I got to the museum, the first bronzes I saw were these two sculptures of heads from the neck up. I'd say they were a little smaller than life-sized, and they were kind of a dark copper color. The Benin bronzes aren't made of copper, though. Aside from bronze, they're also made of brass. As I look face-to-face with these bronzes through their museum glass encasing, I was stuck on how impressive these things were. From the eyebrows to the eyes and the lips, you can tell these casters were masters of their craft. I read on the plaque that these were the heads of what are called obas. Oh, an oba is a king. That's Professor Sidipo. Aside from teaching, he's also an intellectual property lawyer in Nigeria. 
He explained to me that the Oba was more than a king. He also played a spiritual role. The heads of Obas were cast after their passing and kept on an ancestral altar in a special room within the royal palace. This is so the current Oba can always go into the room and consult his ancestors. Professor Sadipo explained to me that all of the bronze casters came from a particular family. And if you go to Benin today, you go to a place called Igun Street in Benin. And you couldn't be doing that unless you belong to the family and you have been initiated into the cult of the family. And so the trade secrets was passed from generation to generation. I want to reiterate that the Kingdom of Benin existed in what is now Nigeria, with its capital city, Benin City, still existing in Nigeria today. Throughout this episode, when Professor Sadipo says Benin, he's referring to Benin City, not the country to the west of Nigeria that is also named Benin. The Kingdom of Benin's height was from the 1600s to 1897 when the kingdom fell to the British. At its height, the kingdom was known for the trade of gold, ivory, and pepper, among other things. They traded with other African kingdoms and the nations of Europe, particularly the Portuguese and the British. There are actually bronzes that pay tribute to the Portuguese. These aren't heads like those of the Oba, but instead they're sort of like 3D plaques, a little over a foot long and probably about nine inches wide. Aside from being trade partners, the Portuguese were at one point military allies of the Kingdom of Benin, and the plaques I saw commemorate that relationship. The Portuguese in the upper corners reference the importance of those foreign allies in the kingdom. A lot of the Benin bronzes are in that 3D plaque style, like that of the Portuguese soldiers. Plaques of children or of ceremonies of the crowning of a new Oba are pretty common. There are also plaques that show animals that have spiritual significance to the people of the Benin Kingdom. And then there's a couple um, of animals, a uh, crocodile with mudfish, a dangerous creature. The crocodile is associated with the realm of Olukan, the god of the waters and wealth and counterpart of the Oba, and considered Olukan's policeman. What's important to know is that all of the bronzes are significant and hold some sort of reverence, whether it be the head of an Oba or the plaques. The kingdom's bronze casters created these with intention. They recorded events, history, um, and they mostly had spiritual significance. Uh, there were some that the significance was not was merely historic, in the sense that oh, there's a new oba, or the oba has just had new children, or has just married, or there's just a particular festival, and um, some things happen at the festival, then those things will be casted just to record them. As I mentioned before, the Kingdom of Benin had a pretty decent relationship with some Europeans. They traded goods, and some say they even sold captured African enemies to the Europeans as slaves. This relationship would change forever, though, in January of 1897. The British sent a group of officials to Benin City to speak with the Oba regarding trade. But it was a bad time for the Oba to meet. The kingdom was celebrating a sacred holiday in which the Oba was to be in complete solitude. The Oba sent about four of his chiefs with some emissaries to meet with them at a, a port. And they said, we cannot 
have you visit now because it's a sacred period when we are having some festivals which we cannot accommodate foreigners visiting us so you cannot come now but the british guys that came said no we have to visit now and because they insisted on visiting there was a scuffle in other words when the british were told it wasn't a good time to meet with the oba they wouldn't take no for an answer and a fight broke out and in that fight six british officers were killed while 200 africans were killed when the british officers reported back to their superiors that six of their own had died the british forces decided they needed to exact revenge a month later the british struck again and mounted what is known today as the punitive expedition a large british military force was sent to benin city with orders to invade and conquer the kingdom of benin when they arrived at the oba's palace they ransacked it for its large storages of ivory and gold and this is also when the british took all of the precious benin bronzes between 4 and 1/2 and 6000 that were taken and scattered i mean some of the soldiers took some personally and some were given to the british government and so some of the people who uh, took some personally sold them some of them still hold on to them and so that was how it was all shared all over europe and some to the states today there are benin bronzes all over the world about 160 institutions are holding bronzes that were seized in the punitive expedition currently the nigerian government is calling for the immediate return of the bronzes from all of these institutions some museums in france germany and the us have said that they will return the bronzes and have begun conversations on how that'll happen just recently the smithsonian in dc announced they will be returning their collection to the nigerian government and then you have some institutions and even some members of governments that have said that they're worried about Nigeria's ability to keep the bronzes safe. Uh, I I think it's an insult. The people who have those kind of arguments whether they are ministers or secretaries in the government or whether they are heads of museums we're going to call for their jobs. So the best thing is for them to negotiate. Because it is possible for us to raise issues about reparation about payment for what they actually did we have not done that and so if they continue that trend to say that we are not mature enough to keep what is our own then we will call for their jobs and we will ask that all the monies they have been making from exhibiting these bronzes over the years should actually be paid back to us with interests because they were stolen they were looted there is no justification for holding on to them the largest single holder of benin bronzes is the british museum in london museum officials say that though they have reservations about the safety of the bronzes being sent back home they wouldn't be able to send them back even if they wanted to because the british museum act of 1963 quote forbids the museum from disposing of its holdings unquote I think the one for Britain one of the issues they say is that the law establishing the British Museum cannot allow them to return unless the law changes 
and we are saying, yeah, it's a man that made the law that stole my property. Let the man change the law to allow him to return my property so that the property will be returned. Some museums defend their holding of the bronzes as being mainly for the purpose of learning. And while I was at the museum, I actually saw a field trip of kids checking out the bronzes. They looked to be about seven or so, and they seemed pretty into the bronzes. The teacher was asking them what they thought, and they threw out some wild ideas, you know how kids are. But eventually, the teacher did explain to them that these came from a kingdom in Africa, and then explained the idea of an oba. Personally, I agree that a lot can be learned from seeing the bronzes. I mean, I went to go see the bronzes. But I don't think it's an either-or situation. You don't have to pick one or the other. The society um, owning their property and the museums showcasing and educating uh, not just children, but people of all ages. You know, I would probably be learning just as much if these weren't real and they just were um, exact replicas. Um, and, the, and these real ones were in Benin. Professor Sadipo was actually heavily involved in the return of two bronzes, one from the University of Cambridge in England and one from the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. They have finally been given physically to the Oba, and um, it called for a lot of celebration because it was like, this is the opening of the floodgates that hopefully will lead to the return of most of this. Now, uh, I reckon that as they're being returned, there'll be issues of where exactly to keep them, to keep them safe, uh, to put them in a place that people can visit and learn a lot of history. The matter of keeping these bronzes safe is something that the Nigerian government and the Obus Palace, which, yes, still exists, are working on. There's actually a new museum being built in Benin City that's going to be the home of the bronzes when they return. They belong to the Benin people. They were taken without permission. They should be returned to the Benin people. The Benin people can then decide, the Oba uh, can decide that uh, we would like to uh, keep some in the museum in Boston. We'd like to loan them. Uh, we like to give as gifts, but let us right the wrong by the minimum way of doing that is return it to the rightful owner and let the rightful owner decide on the property. I reached out to the MFA Boston for comment while reporting on this story, but I never heard back. They did have a statement, though, on their website concerning the bronzes. It reads like this. Today, the ethics of collecting and displaying works removed from their places of origin during periods of European colonialism is a subject of debate among museums, local and national governments, collectors, and the public. The MFA displays these Benin artworks for the benefit of communities in Boston and abroad and holds them in the public trust where they may be studied and viewed by all. If you'd like to see the Benin bronzes for yourself, they might be in one of your local museums. After all, they're currently scattered across over 160 institutions. Something I want you to think about when you do see them, though, is should they be?
Special thanks to Professor Bankol Sadipo for sharing with me the history and importance of these precious artifacts. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Amanda McGowan, Johanna Mayer, Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was sound designed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. My name is Baudelaire. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.